And so as we talk about this stuff today, to worship God is to do all of the same things that we talked about as we prayed, uh, we did our series on prayer. Man, worship, praise, it's, it's all adoration. There are times inside of songs uh, that, that we confess things, like God calls things up in our life, and then we're like, oh man, yeah, I need, I need to get that right before the Lord. But then there's thanksgiving inside of worship. Then there's also this, this whole thing that we never even got to, but asking God to supply our needs. And to me, that song that we just sang, it's become an anthem for me. That no matter how good, how bad, no matter the situation, man, I said it before that, that if we have to feel saved to be saved, we're not going to feel it probably 364 days out of the year. Because there may be 364 days that something creeps in and I may not feel like it in the moment. But the beautiful thing is, is that as a believer, man, when I say I believe and I say, God, I'm following you and I'm trusting Jesus for my salvation, man, that's eternity. That is for all of eternity. And that's what that song was that we just sang. Michael, you and the crew, y'all killed it. So we're talking about worship for these next two weeks. And I hope that you would, maybe you could redefine your personal and corporate times of worship, that you could just, you could say, okay, man, it's vitally important. Man, I have to get up at the crack of dawn already, but it's so vitally important that, that I be uh, Jesus with skin on people that maybe I dial back my alarm to get up a little bit earlier. Or maybe I change the radio station, or maybe I get a playlist, a set list, whatever, that while I'm driving to and from, that it would change the volume, or, or it would change my demeanor. It would change some things between when I walk out of the door and when I get to go and live on stage for the Lord. Like when I left this morning, I was already in a, in a rough and tumble because Brooke woke me up and she goes, Ken, what time are you supposed to be up? And I'm like, what time is it? And so I'm already here. Keith's already here. I'm always in a race to try to beat Keith here on Sunday mornings. And he always wins. I don't know how he does it. He's like an electric chihuahua. He's just always, and he's always here, right? Like he's, like you, you, you don't, there are people that you meet that don't have bad days. It just seems like that is Keith. And man, when we're here, 5.30 in the morning, whatever time that is, we just get to have some of those great conversations. But man, when that alarm hits sometimes and you're already running behind, like you already get behind, you're already running maybe from a deficit, those personal times, so I believe was blaring this morning from my home to here, however many times it took, like two times maybe, but it's, it's just, I want us to reevaluate our worship time with the Lord. Like it's so important. Like, I don't even know how to say it. Like, like I, I'm about to jump, we're about, Brooke and I are jumping into that empty nest part of life. And I hate quiet. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, in this quiet house, uh, Abby leaves tomorrow. Carly, we dropped her off, did her whole room at DBU yesterday. Take Abby tomorrow, like in that, in that quiet house, like what's going to fill that void? I'm going to tell you, while Brooke's at school, man, it is going to be some blaring music on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when I'm in that house alone. Like the dogs are going to be wondering what is going on. It's louder than it's ever been. But we've got to figure out those days, those moments, those times where we really can't capitalize with the Lord those times of worship. So let's jump into it. Man, the Old Testament has 114 references to that word worship. And then if you look in the New Testament, 74 references. So all in all, 188 scripture references to worship. 
man, if you were to jump inside of Scripture and really do a deep dive, a lot of that's talking about things that we're not, we're not supposed to worship, right? These are things that are going to take you down a completely wrong path. They're not of the Lord. They're not the Lord. And so we don't need to go that way. But there are multiple words inside of Scripture that if you look at the Greek word of them, one of them is therapeo, which, which we get that word uh, in our English language, therapy. And some of you are like, man, I, I need therapy. Change the radio station. Open God's word. Pray. There's you some therapy. Like you don't have a counselor on the planet that can counsel you the way the Lord can, using his scripture and having that time to talk to him. You know what? That's free therapy. And someone's like, yeah, but this person, I get to talk to you. You get to talk to the king of the universe, the Lord of lords. You get to spend time in his presence. You get to sing songs that tell him how great and awesome he is. Use that. I'm not saying jump out of this therapy. I'm just saying make for sure that this is king therapy. This is tops on your book uh, out, of, out of all that you do. Then there's another word, proskuneo. It means to pay homage or to honor the Lord. So when you look at your life and you look at your schedule, is there built-in time for that, that you would pay homage, that you would spiritually take time to love the Lord, but in doing that, that you would take care of your soul? Like, there's no greater way for you to pay that homage or to care about your relationship with the Lord than to spend time with him. And if you're never spending time with him and you wonder why your world is falling apart, there's the answer. There's the answer. If it seems like everybody has ditched you and really probably they haven't, it's just how you feel, man, have you ditched the Lord in your personal time with him? Man, jump back in to worship. And you can do a deeper dive on, on all of those different other words for that. But worship is so important. It's lip service, but it's so much more than singing. Have you ever been in the middle of maybe the, the best time of worship? And you were singing, and then all of a sudden, man, you just dipped out vocally, and you just listened to what was going on around you. There was one point in time, flight week early on, we were at Baylor, high, uh, we were at Baylor University, and, and a group of our junior high and high school students that were there with us, and we called our camp flight week. Spur 58, Aaron Ivey, I don't know if any of you have ever heard that name, but Aaron Ivey was leading worship for us. And there in Waco Hall, I'm telling you, it was one of those times of worship that I'm just like, man, at any point in time, man, this ceiling is getting just ripped open and we're going to have full view of heaven. And these kids, kids that I'd never seen, never even really thought cared much to worship, man, they were standing, the old school chairs, theater style chairs, like they, they, they had their armrests there. They were standing in those chairs hands raising in my head. I was like, the student pastor and the, and the worrier part of me was like, oh my gosh, they're going to fall out of the chairs, whatever. But in that moment, it was just like, God said, hey, shut up, I got this. It was one of those intense moments. But guys, worship is way more than just coming in here and joining Michael and the crew to sing. Man, it's life, but it's so much more than just the life that we live on Sundays. Right? It's easy to come in here and pretend like all of last week was awesome right? Like it's easy to come in here and to almost play the game and to check the boxes and to smile and nod or maybe I even answered a question in the ladies Bible study this morning or in student world, but it's so much more than that. Man, it's heart surgery. It's brain surgery. When, the, when God has the scalpel, right? Like when he begins to cut through the layers of whatever it is, those barriers between us, 
those personal times of worship, they become so amazing for us. It's therapy. It's therapy for your past. It's therapy for the here and now. And it's therapy for your future. And if you do truly care about the steps that God will use and take you down the roads and paths that he's got for you in your future, man, it's not for you to worship God at some point in time in the future. It's to stop what you're doing now and to take that moment to literally care for your soul inside of worship. So point number one in worship, I remember why he is the only one worthy. Have you ever been inside of a worship set or whatever, and then all of a sudden you just got this very clear picture that in the whole universe, inside of that moment, God showed you that he is the only one worthy of your praise. Those are some great moments. Worship is the sweet spot of remembering or re-believing every day all that God has done for us and then all the while not deserving one ounce of it. Like, I think sometimes we get to our point in time where, man, God, I, I do this for you. You should do that for me. God, I, I had a cousin one point in time when my mom passed away and goes, you still believe? Like, I know how close you were with your mom. You still believe? I'm like, now more than ever. Because in those moments and times where life comes and sucker punches us, man, it's so easy, right, when life is good. But when you get that diagnosis or you get that hard call from work or whatever it is, that it's in those moments that all of those times of worship come into play in your life. And that's what happened for me. And I was able to talk to one of the teachers who was here, and she's written a book. And it's, it's just all of these poems about the, the, the surrounding losing her dad. Man, we, we sat and we cried in her theater room this past week and, and we talked through stuff, but I was able to tell her that there was nothing else that God could have used greater than worship in those toughest times. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I, I get so lost in work or I get so lost in all of these things, try worship because there's no other place really and truly that God proves again to us that he is the only one worthy. Romans chapter one talks great about worship. If you've got your Bibles and you wanna turn there, but Romans chapter 12, starting verse one, um, he says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Man, we could just walk out right now. Literally with that, that even that half of a verse some of us, you, you would not be sitting here today if it weren't for the mercies of God. Man, you, you would not be married today, maybe, if it weren't for the mercies of God. You wouldn't have the great children that you have today if it weren't for the mercies of God. Like, like have you just stopped to do a rethink on all of the ways that God has shown his mercy to you? Because when I do that, man, it helps me take the focus off some of the other things that are going negatively in my life. And that it helps us with that heart of gratitude as well. Um, we could worship him simply because of his mercies, and, 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 and we would be right in doing that. We, we worship what we put our most worth in. And so, man, if you sit there and you do that inventory in your life, then you look at that and you go, man, I should spend way more time worshiping this God who loves me, who has been so merciful to me. Do you remember his mercy towards you today? Like, can you recount some of that? Whatever moment in time that you had that aha moment of salvation where you understood the cross. Because if you truly understood the cross, then you understood the mercy of the cross. Because 
Mercy is you getting what you don't deserve, right? Like, it's, it's really more so you not getting what you do deserve. Like, Jesus took the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to die on the cross. Like, he paid all of that for us, and that is mercy. His mercy, uh, everything that he gives us, but it's eternal love, it's joy, it's grace. It's an everlasting peace. Do you have peace in your life? You have something brewing where right now, man, the, the, the waves of worry are, are crashing down on you? Worship. Spend time giving all of those pieces of that worry to the Lord. I made a point in a sermon at one point in time. I said that worry is sin. Somebody said, man, how is worry sin? Because when you worry, you're telling God that his power and his might and his strength and his wisdom are not strong enough to fix your situation. But when I worship instead of worry, then I'm placing all of my hope for the outcome. I'm placing all of my desire to see God show up. I'm placing it all in him. More times than not, you have anxiety and fear and all of those things, and they come into this perfect storm inside of your life that could have very much easily have been filled with times of worship than worry. Why? Because there are going to be some situations that are going to come your way that you have no control over. Control freaks. Like, like there's times and moments that are going to creep into your life. You have no control over them. You have no control over hereditary things. You have no control. You have control over how you handle them, and you have control on how big you see God through those, but you don't have complete control. You never have, even though you played the part, and you never will. But it's saving faith. It's lasting comfort it's strength, it's wisdom, it's hope, and the greatest gift of all, you have his Holy Spirit. And if you're sitting there going, man, how do I get over this next hurdle? Allow him to lift you over it. Allow him to carry you through it. You don't know how to answer the, the, the jeering crowd that's coming for you. Allow him to answer for you. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you as believers. If you're here today and you're not a believer, I cannot promise that you have that. I can promise you this, my bet is that you've been trying to do all of those things, but you can't. You can't do them well because you don't have him inside of you. If you continue down a, a path that, that, you, um, that you don't see doing the right thing is the right answer all of the time, then maybe today you would check the heart of God to see, hey, are we in line? Have I really surrendered my life to you? Because I tend to do this, 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 and this, and if you're in my life, then I would not be doing these things, these things, these things, and these things. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to help check those boxes in your life to see, are you truly his? Mercy is used over 150 times. I said it earlier. It's you not getting what you do deserve. Some of us in here, we don't think we deserve anything bad coming our way. And let's go back. <laughs> all of the bad things that have creeped into this world, they all began in the garden. I had a student one time asking me, why, why does God let, let bad, uh, bad things happen to good people? Well, one, we're not good. But two, let's go back to the garden and let's see where it all went south because it happened about three chapters in. Man, it, it's one of those things like you have to figure out what is that definition of good. I'm not good. I try to be good. There's still days and moments that people get on my nerves. There's still days and moments that I say some things like, oh, woo, wish I could have gotten that back. There's days and moments. And if we're just being real, and if we would quit playing church and actually be real, 
man, we would see God show up in some really amazing ways. But when those real moments creep in, if I haven't spent time in worship, if I haven't been praying, if I haven't sought the Lord, who knows what I'm going to have to say or what I'm going to have to go back and apologize for. Mercy. It's forgiving the sinner and withholding the punishment that needed to happen. That's what God did for all of us. If you're here today and you were sitting there trying to figure all those pieces out, God gave you mercy. He gives you mercy every day that you wake up. If you're here today and you're not a believer, you still have mercy because you got another day to ask him into your life, to make him Lord, to ask Jesus Christ to come in and to save you from your sin. That's mercy. You're still here today. Man, David knew it. He said, have mercy on me, Psalm 51. Oh God, according to your unfailing love, according uh, to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. And then Paul knew it too. He told Timothy, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners. Can you imagine someone who contributed almost most of all of the New Testament? Paul says this, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners. And some of you are like, man, I'm pretty good. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is saying that he is the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you understand, like, when I'm, when I'm honest about my life and how God is working in my life, there's so much power to be used by that, to be that kind of a, a vessel, if you would. Man, um, feel Wickham, who wrote this song that we just sang earlier, I believe, listen to these lyrics, I believe there's one salvation. And that is a very declarative statement, right? I believe that there is one. And to me, that's mercy. Because ADHD guy up here, uh, like ADHD wasn't the thing, like we didn't have that definition back in the day. Uh, We had Harold Wells with a spanking on the rear and, and that cured my ADHD at times, not really all the time. For sure when he was with me, right? And so some of you, maybe I should try that. I don't know. Um, but then, then he goes on to say even more declarative, one doorway that leads to life. Again, I'm so glad that, that God didn't give us a thousand and go find it. He said, it's Jesus. Amen. It's Jesus. One confession. That's what it takes. It takes you and I making one confession. I believe Jesus Christ, that he is Savior and he is Lord. That what he did on the cross, he did it for me. He took all of my sin, all of my suffering, and all of my shame. And from that moment on, I get to live with mercy, grace, compassion. I get to do that. I believe in the name of Jesus Christ, but do you? Like, do you? Like, when you leave from here today, we're not just singing about it anymore, right? We're not with our our closest Jesus friends, right? Like, we just didn't walk in here in a holy huddle, and now I got to walk back out there into literal fill-in-the-blank. And I can still do all of these things when I walk out of those doors. Point number two. In worship, I remember that I'm the living dead. This is the only time in all of of any religion that you put these two things together. Most sacrifices are dead. They're dead usually before they even get put on the altar. Whatever it called for, right? That sacrifice was dead. But look at Romans 12.1. To present your bodies, (laughs) all of you, as a living sacrifice. Like you can't just sacrifice your, your heart and, and walk out and do everything else with your body. 
Like you can't just say, man, I hope Jesus will forgive me for this and then just jump right in and to do all of these things and to think that that's okay. As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So here's the deal. This whole thing about life, you get to be set apart. That's what sanctification is, that word holy. God has set you apart. He's called you out of this world, and he's given you a new name, a new title. He calls you his child, and he has put you where you are, and you are called to live a holy and acceptable, different than this world kind of life. How do I get to live different than this world when I go here? It's those times and moments of worship with your heavenly father where you get to reconnect, you get to, you get to tell him those things. So in Christ alone can something be both living and dead. I'm alive to him, but I'm dead to my old life. I'm alive to him, but I am now dead to sin. Aren't you glad that in those moments as a believer that you do sin, that Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father, looks down and goes, she's with us. My blood covered that sin. Hey, she's with us. She's, it's not like God doesn't know it, but you have Jesus at the right hand of the Father saying, these are our people. It's okay, my blood covered that. My blood covered that. Does that mean that we just continue to walk through life to try to sin and do as, are we just trying to test God at his patience? No, it means that with the Holy Spirit, we can go, man, that, I shouldn't have done that. Man, God, I, I have done, I have run to that so many times. It is time for me to put that down, whatever that is, so that I can live for you. Man, it's only with the Holy Spirit inside of us that we're able to look at that, call it what it is, and ask God again, forgive me for that and help me not to pick it up. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can do that. We're called to die daily to ourselves and to live daily for the things of God. Look at those lyrics again. I believe in the crucifixion. By his blood, I have been set free. Then why do we run back into those things that we've been freed from? Like insanity, right? That we would do something the exact same way time and time again and think we're going to get a different outcome. That's insanity. So if you're here today and you've been saying, man, I want to live for the Lord. I want to do this for him. I want to do that for him. You may have to change some of these other things that you thought you were going to get a different kind of outcome. That's insanity. Spend time with your Savior. Maybe, maybe you put down the remote and you pick up the Bible. Maybe you put down the golf clubs and you pick up the Bible. Maybe you turn off what you had on the radio and you put it on something that can either teach you, that can reprove you, that can help you, that can encourage you, that you can spend time with your Father. If not, then you'll get the same results tomorrow that you got last time you were trying it. I believe in the resurrection. Hallelujah, his life is death's defeat. What are the things that you are still living in the dead to him part of you? Like you're still trying to do things that the dead part of you says, I shouldn't be doing those things anymore. What are those things you still go and you try to pick those up? Bad habits, people, 
You know when you flock to those people, those people that are gonna say things and you feel like you're gonna have to laugh at it because of whatever they're gonna say and everybody else is laughing, so just peer pressure. <laughs> and then you just dipped into the same kind of stuff. And so here you are, right? And you're like, Can't, you don't know where I work. You're right, I don't. But at some point in time, you get to be set apart. And you get to say there's a higher standard in my life that I don't have to laugh at those coarse jokes, right? I don't have to jump in and go to the same places to do some of those same things. It's okay to have standards. Why? Because you have been set apart. Doesn't mean you're better. It just means you're set apart. And that last time that you sang in that worship time where you prayed, man, God reminded you that some of the people that you're with, they're not going to be with him for all of eternity. And it may mean that you get to separate yourself away from that so that you get to walk back into it and to have that conversation. Number three, in worship, I remember that I'm called to live differently than the world. This world has so many things going at it, right, and from it. Uh, but here in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world. Like you gotta be in it. You got to live here. You got to breathe the same oxygen. But you don't have to listen to the same stuff. You don't have to drink the same stuff. You don't have to smoke the same stuff. You don't have to do all of the same things that this world has. It says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing that you may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, only in Christ, we'll never be perfect until we get to heaven. But Christ is the one who is perfecting us. He's the one that's shaving off the rough edges. It's his Holy Spirit that's trying to, at times, shake us so that we can figure out that he's still got control of our lives. And he needs to shake some of those things out so that if some of those things would shake off, then maybe the shackles that were held to those things would also fall off so that you don't have to pick them up anymore. To walk inside of that, you get to walk differently. I'm transformed and my mind is renewed daily to live differently when I worship him for who he is. When I follow his call, I listen to his voice and I read his word. Believe he is preparing a place for me. Pray and spend time with him. Those are the ways that you're going to be able to feel like you are with him and he is with you. That he cares for you and you get to then live for him. And worship, God reminds us that his ways are higher than anyone or anything down here. Here's a quote that God really put on my heart this week. This world wants you to conform to it, <clears throat> but it has no concept of a better life or even life after it. It doesn't have a grasp of heaven, a call to live differently, or a will to discern, but when we step out of this world and into his, he gives us the fuel that we need to take trips back to those without hope, whose eyes cannot see or whose hearts can't imagine. Worship becomes our filling station. It contains the fuel to fill up the vehicle to take those trips. You're the vehicle. These moments are filling station moments. Next trip may be this afternoon. It may be at home. It may be tomorrow at work. Fill up while you're here. The beautiful part about this filling station is the fuel is free. Fuel is free. 
Those moments and times when you are with your Savior, those moments and times where we come in and we get to worship the Lord corporately, it's all free. It costs Jesus everything, but it's free for you and me.